Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. For brands looking for growth, an obvious opportunity is expanding to new markets. But each market comes with its challenges, costs, and requirements for process and organizational transformation. This is definitely true of the countries that make up the EMEA market. Jerome de Guignet, founder and CEO of e-commerce agency Ecomas, joined Lauren Levac and me to share his deep experience working with brands large and small to establish profitable and sustainable e-commerce strategies in EMEA. So Jerome, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We are really excited to bring some global perspective uh, to our audience and, and hearing your thoughts on the MIA region. And even more exciting, like we actually have met in person uh, in France uh, at our inaugural uh, Digital Shelf Institute Executive Forum uh, in, in Paris. And it was a delight. So I'm so excited that you could come on and, and join us here. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, indeed a great pleasure. First, because we love to talk about uh, like expanding in Europe. We love to meet uh, with people from the Digital Shelf Institute. We've been in the European side of it, and uh, and specifically the French one, and it's it's been great great so far. So it's it's great to share with the audience and with uh, the different people joining uh, experience of how to expand in in Europe and generally all over the world. That's what we do. Uh, with Brands Day, and that's what gets us uh, waking up in the morning and, and and doing stuff and enjoying our lives. Well, we're so excited to have your energy and expertise to be part of the DSI. It's really valuable. So, and and a lot of it because you work with many brands who are trying to build a strategy for the EMEA region, uh, which I know is not <laughs> an easy task. Because uh, every country and sometimes regions within countries are are challenging. What would be the first thing you would say to a brand that's looking to to move into EMEA or or get deeper in the EMEA region? Uh, the first thing we tend to to work on is to understand the size of the pie today or the size of the market to understand you know what what are you going or what what are you trying to reach or to manage or to get in terms of sales. Uh, understanding that size and and most specifically also the size between the different countries and usually the biggest size is in Germany because if we're talking Amazon specifically Amazon in Germany is the biggest and the UK is second and France and then the other countries but understanding the whole size and what you could expect from that and so how much you should invest in is probably the first thing because uh, like clearly the potential of the European market altogether is probably similar to the US in terms of number of consumers and, and so on. However, it's a more complicated because if it's just like as in if in, in the US you had to convince uh, people in Texas and convince someone in Florida and then and so on. So which is the case in, in Europe. So it's really understanding the what what could you get from that? And that helps you sort of make a business plan and see how much you should invest and what you need to prepare. But that's usually this work, which has not always been done, which we try to do with all the brands so that they have a good understanding of what they could get at the end of the process. 
And would you say that brands sometimes try to lift and shift the same strategy in North America and, and bring it to EMEA? And, and, and knowing that that is not the right approach, what are some of the watchouts you would say that, that they need to think about other than the, the size of the prize that they would need to focus on or assess before they really kind of dive in? Yeah, the, 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 let's say the two, like the, so the first step is really understanding the market. The second and third step is really looking into logistics and let's say legal tax and so on. And that typically is where it's, it's really different. To be fair, if you go in the US, it's the tax system, the way it works with, between different states is also foreign to us. Europeans, for example. So it's like going there and logistics is like, you can't just do, okay, I'll go and, you know, whatever. It's like, no, you know, how do, how do you do the imports? What are the taxes and so on? And then when you're, once you're selling, what are the different systems? This is typically the first, really the first two, like hurdle number two and number three, which you need to go over. And if you, if you come up with your, okay, this works like in the, in the US or like in Japan or wherever, it's not true because like typically legal like governments are usually and administrations are, are not very like business uh, friendly, let's say, and they all made their own rules and so on. So that's really uh, the type of thing. Then uh, I think in general to, to your point is um, the, the mistake everyone will tend to make is to believe that the customers are a bit the same. Which is true because you know everyone will want to brush their teeth to you know to uh, wash their hairs and so on. But in the same way, you don't talk even in Europe. You don't talk the same way to a German customer to a Spanish customer. And and it's understanding that okay, you probably need to revise a bit the way you've been selling and what was the success recipe in the states, for example, probably will have to be nudged or, or changed a bit. And what is super uh like uh, great like in the us probably is not at all interesting in, in europe or Wuta. that's not like we're not doesn't uh, resonate for us would you say that like for north america for example usually there's a north america strategy and EMEA, because there's so many countries obviously you can't have that is there any that you could bucket together so usually i hear like uk france germany are separate strategies because they're di different populations. Is there any way to kind of group some of the countries together when, when a company is going into a new space and trying to figure out where to focus? Well, if, you, if we want to simplify Europe, you would say there's a North, Euro North European bloc and a South European bloc. And typically North Europe would be more or less UK, Germany, and all that, Denmark, Sweden, and so on, and probably, yeah. It depends if Poland is like an Eastern Europe or Northern Europe, but let's say that's more Northern Europe. And then Southern Europe would be France, Italy, Spain, uh, and like and maybe Turkey, if you include that in, in the same zone in terms of Amazon uh, environments. Now, it's true, it, like people could make it super overcomplicated to say, okay, each market is so different. You really need to change everything. No, it's not true. Let's be uh, realistic is that it's clear that you need to be aware, open-minded to the fact that, okay, maybe customers will react differently. And then if your conversion rate in the country is not very good, it's probably because your content or the way you're explaining your product could speak less to people. But in general, customers, that's why I said before, customers are the same and not the same. Like 
still a lot of things are, are common, but you need to be more open-minded. And like in the in the four in the different steps I gave, you have the first is like understanding the size of the market, the logistics, uh, taxes, and and the 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 fourth one is really to um, uh, get you know get get your products in in the markets and get it in front in front of customers and then see how how they react. Uh, and so to to your point about. Um, the, the the different uh, countries or the, the strategies. I would say you would have a European strategy, which is saying, okay, I understand that the size of the market is probably biggest in in Germany, and then probably in the UK. There is a, a reality because of Brexit that UK is a bit outside of Europe in a sense from a logistics point of view. Let's say, so you would probably say, okay, the question will be, okay, I start in Germany. Then if I expand, probably I want to expand into France because it's closer and there is uh, like you can use warehouses from Amazon from the, and it's easier to switch and so on. Or you could say I start with the UK because it's easier because of the English language and then I expand to the other. So it's not that you would say, OK, I have a total like a, my brands or my products are completely different from one country to another. No, they would be probably the same products. Uh, and and the same brand language or the same approach, but it's just fine tuning. And then in terms of when we talk about strategy of expansion, is really to decide okay which portfolio of products you 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 will keep for Europe in general, and then from which country in which order you do the countries. And do you want to really go fast and everywhere and sort of start slow from everywhere, which I don't really like. Or do you start in try to be strong in one and then expand in the others, which I much prefer. And would you say that in starting in one and then expanding into others, like what are the who are the key players? So like if I think of North America, like Amazon, Walmart, Target, right? Like those are the the big ones you think of. Like if you could name the top three, could you do that in the MIA region, or would it be specific to each of those countries? Yeah, so I would say Amazon, Amazon, and Amazon. Uh, to be fair, is like if you're coming from the US, I would focus on Amazon first, because in specifically in Germany and the UK, they are overwhelmingly big. And if you're big in in Germany on Amazon, you're you're big in Germany in a sense. And then expanding to another will be much smaller. So you 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 you're much better to go into one and to avoid you no know, price uh, comparisons and so on between different websites and, and focus on being successful in Germany. UK is a bit the same. Now, the other countries, uh, Amazon was later to the to the game, let's say, and there are stronger actors. So in, in France, there are strong actors, which is one is called C-Discount and another one is called Fnac, for example, and there's other smaller ones. But typically in France, if you want to be successful in the market, you probably want to be in those different uh, web marketplaces. In Holland, for example, there's one which is well known, it's called Bold.com. In Poland, you've got Allegro. In in uh, Spain and Italy, the markets are small, the e-commerce markets are smaller, but there's only Amazon. So it's in this case, it's really uh, market dependent. And that's why I said Amazon, Amazon, and Amazon, because you, you, it's much easier to go, you know, master Amazon in all those five, six, seven, now eight countries in Europe. And already you're in a very good position to look at the second step of expanding. But to be fair, most of our brands really focus on, on Amazon. Then once we are strong, we say, okay, when we, once we've hit a bit of a ceiling, 
then we advertise a bit more, then we go to other marketplaces. And so this is thinking about it from a pure play e-commerce perspective, not an omni-channel like a Leclerc or Carrefour in France. That's sort of, do you, when, when do those players come into play or is that, would that be part of your market expansion or is that not something that, that you focus on? So we, we're very sort of uh, e-commerce uh, yeah. biased, but my like my background, I came from distribution. So uh, I've done a, a lot of that. It's true that when we're working with an, uh, a brand specifically coming from the States, it's about the, the, the cheapest way to do it and the, the way where you don't have a, you know, the barrier of the, of the buyer right. is e-commerce because you're, you can, you are sure to put your products in front of, of the eyes of a customer. If you go to a Leclerc, if you go to MediaMarkt in Germany, if you go, you know, to Boots in the UK, you need to go through the buyer. If the buyer doesn't like you or, or the terms you're giving to him, you will never appear on the shelves. Right. On Amazon, you you will appear on the shelves, on the digital digital shelves. Now it's your job to make sure that the barrier is a bit further down the line, let's say, and you have to make you need to master the Amazon, uh, you know, art uh, to be able to sh- show your products to end consumers, and that's where the barrier is in in a sense. So for me, it's it depends how much, how fast you want to grow, what's your means. And, and how you want to do it. My, um, like in, in a few words, I usually recommend say, start with Amazon. Make a, you know, get an idea what's your conversion rate. What are customers reacting to your brand without going through a buyer? Once you've done that with, with, uh, with Amazon in Germany or wherever, then you can start and you've, you've, you've built something, the prices are set up and there's a clean market, then you can start to expand your distribution. Otherwise, the, because pricing and like um, map pricing doesn't exist in Europe. It's illegal to talk about map pricing. So pricing is a very, uh, is, is difficult in, in, in Europe. Um, therefore, if you start with distribution, putting your products everywhere, chances your prices will go down and you can't do anything about it. So it's much better to build it on one place, be, have a strong foundation, and then start to expand and to show your numbers and you can go to see the buyers and the buyers say, oh, no, you know, your brand, nobody knows it. So like, actually they do like, look on, on, you know, a hundred people, uh, like 20 are buying. So, you know, do you want to be part of it or not? Which is a total change of like the gameplay. You think. So Jerome, do you have, uh, an example, you know, without naming names, I- I'm guessing, but, uh, some customer examples when you've seen, uh, people do it really right. Like the sort of the key people process tech shifts they make to really succeed at it with, with your help. And then what are some of the kind of biggest mistakes that, uh, that you are able hopefully to save your clients from? So uh, one uh, example I'm uh, thinking of is uh, water, uh, like water bike water products company uh, from the States coming into Europe. So it's a, it's a very, there's a lot of competitors and they came, so they have, they have a strong solution and a strong brand presence in, in the U S and they decided to take uh, over the, the Europe. And then they, they went country by country, like I said, and very interestingly, they sort of, they have this, um, 
those parts where they they are building their presence on Amazon and building their brand with their own websites, with a Shopify website, and to be able to grow both and starting to have community management. So starting to go up in the funnel. So you start very easily. They started with distributors uh, selling their products, very low funnel, you know, really trying to get people just to buy. And then step by step, they started to grow up the funnel. And this in the UK, they did the same in, in Europe, starting to uh, go and handle themselves the distribution and pivoting from, okay, having the success on Amazon to starting to connect with uh, offline shops and say, okay, look at what's happening. There's, you know, there we have X amount of customers and they have uh, repeat orders because you have to buy cartridges and stuff. So this is this works well because you say, okay, see, you can see what's happening, the number of reviews, the thousands of reviews I've got on Amazon, and they start pivoting and, and putting it on, on stores. And typically uh, in this area, which are really consumer products, uh, if you're fighting with other brands, which are in every shops everywhere, at some point, if you really want to fight with them, you will want to have to go offline also. So it's really starting from this, having this offer, controlling prices very well, cleaning a bit the market with, with the distribution, and then start of, you know, owning, having a good idea of the size of the price, and then starting to own the distribution and then put it in the right places so that custom, you know, uh, the, the customer journey goes on offline all the time. That's where you want to be, right? And at the end, they, they will purchase maybe offline, maybe online. You don't really care, um, but you want them to be, you know, to see the brand in, in many places. And that, I think that, that they are doing uh, a great job. We've been working with them for several years and it, it's all in the happening. So it's challenging because if you're a big brand name in the US, but no one knows you in, in Europe, you start from scratch, right? And you could be a great name. And one example is I bought one of their products um, very recently and all the packaging was about the US. And it's like, it had a map of the US, it was talking about in gallons and so on. So I bought it from France. And as a French customer, I was not impressed by the customer experience saying, okay, pff, I'm French in France, so I, okay, and maybe I'll understand the English, but it's it's a map of the US of where you know where the water is hard or soft, and so okay, I'm not I'm not impressed. So it's it's to show you that it it has a lot of implications. It's also okay, this process of going into Europe and building a real brand goes until okay, then maybe at some point I need to have a different warehouse where when I produce and even probably the production center will have to move maybe from somewhere in the world to somewhere closer to Europe to make sure you have a packaging which speaks to the customers. So it's really, a, you have to go step by step. And uh, they started, you you can't spend money on everything at the beginning. You need to build it, you know, build sales and make revenue and then invest. And that's exactly what they've done. And you can see not everything is perfect, like I said, but you, you can see the passes in this direction. And step by step, they will be really able to, uh, to challenge the larger brands, all thanks to e-commerce at the beginning. I, I love that point about the the U.S. content on the product packaging because it's it's not like you're just taking a product from North America and selling it in EMEA. Like you are learning a new customer, a new way of thinking, a new uh, gallons versus you know like the, the way that they're communicating the information. So. I think that's a mindset shift. And that's something that you had shared previously, Jerome, around you need to shift how you're thinking about selling. Like it's a totally new business plan. 
And, and I think in an organization that can be challenging, right? Because if you've sold only in North America and now you're pivoting, that takes a people process technology shift. And have you seen organizations that, for example, have done it well, like, like the water company you were talking about, what have they done internally within their organizations to help them be successful for that? I think it's a great point. And it goes back to your question earlier about, okay, um, what are the main mistakes you could do coming from the US or coming from one place to and going to a different culture? And I think one of them is um, actually the larger the company is, the more complicated it is for them because you have more people. So typically the marketing people say, oh, yes, you know, we need to localize our content. We know, oof, yeah, and we need the advertising. That's all clear. But then comes in the logistics guy or the supply chain guy and says, yeah, no, 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 no way. We know we have one warehouse. We are not changing that. I don't want to hear anything. So it's like the different people need to align and to say, okay, this, this has to happen all or at least step by step to, 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 uh, you know, reach the uh, European customer. And then if the supply chain guy doesn't care about, you know, what's happening with an end consumers, then, you know, you're in trouble. So for me, uh, I think what they've done well in this sense is to connect with distributors at the beginning and with a local agency. So that's us. So well done them and us. Um, and the idea was to say, okay, you need to find the people. Like if you want to go big, you need to find serious people who know their business, who can really help you. Because like I said, the, like the legal, the tax uh, aspect is really complicated. And then and consumers and understanding the, the different uh, people, it, it can be really tough. So I think they really leverage the fact of having local contacts. They had also uh, other brands or it's a, it's a larger company with connections in Europe also. And they tried really to leverage that and to see, okay, how do I, there was the marketing team was mostly in the US, but clearly they understood that, okay, the marketing team in the US will have a hard time doing community management or anything in Europe. So it was really finding people who could be their voice and their face on the market. And I think that's that's a struggle and defining the line of how much you want to get involved, how much you want to do and how much you want to do with someone local. And it's difficult because the local partner cannot, he, he will never be really the brand, right? Uh, they can be to a certain extent, but you, it, it's also finding, you know, who should create content. I'm always, a bit challenging brands which are saying okay can you create the content for us it's like maybe you should be creating the content you know because that's super important and then we you know localize it and use it but it this is all the fine lines where they have to be found and to be fair the smaller companies have a have it easier because they have a much smaller team and then the, the boss is sometimes the owner or you know the is like you say no no supply chain no no of course we changed and sorry you know we can't listen to you a bigger company Everyone has a role, and and it's it's a it's, it takes more time to convince people to to change. So, and we we help enormous multi-billion uh, companies, and and that's even harder for them. So, it's e-commerce is is in a sense a great opportunity for smaller brands, and an opportunity, but also a challenge for for the medium to large brands. Jerome, you've mentioned a couple of times um, sort of community and community building and connection. Can you, can you dive into that a little bit of what that means in, in your parlance? Like what, uh, how companies need to think about that function in, in EMEA? 
That, that's a great question. Um, you've got two uh, situations, basically. is when you enter a market, you're, let's say you're an American company, either you're Apple or you're Mr. Nobody, in the sense that either people know your brand a bit, partially a bit, or they don't know you. Most of the time, probably they will not know you. If they don't, if they know you, then, you know, life is easier. You just build on that. It's, it's much easier. Um, if uh, you're not known, well-known, which is a lot of the brands which come to us, then you have to understand that if we take this idea of the funnel also, it's like we will start very low in the funnel. So we will play with a limited number of people. And the, the challenge will be PPC is great. Uh, you know, the advertising pay-per-click is great and, and everything is great. But at some point, you will probably hit a limit to the, the size of the audience you're speaking to. So the second step, in a sense, uh, of, of your process is once you're established, conversion rate is working well on the small, on the smaller audience. You look, you know, things are looking great. You say, okay, how do I expand? And our experience is that at some point there's a you know a glass ceiling in a sense, um, and the the glass ceiling thing is uh, you have to grow your audience, and that's where you've got you have to use uh, like social uh, media tools and and social community management tool in a sense like uh, social media. So it's using uh, DSP advertising, for example, where you're reaching to other audiences, but also looking into Facebook, Google, Instagram now, TikTok. And, and things like that, where you want to build a bit of a community and people can see you in different ways. As I said before, it can be also, if you were expanding outside of Amazon and going offline, this will also uh, help people see your brand. So the idea is to have people on their customer journey see your brand in multiple areas. If you're in working only on PPC and linked to you know, a small number of, of uh, keywords, this will be very difficult to, to reach out. So we've seen that we've started to offer this service we did not at the beginning because we saw that it was needed for brands to go to the next level and to start to speak to a wider audience. The first step is quite fast. If your product works well, you get very quickly to a certain level, but then you you get stuck. And that The second step gets a bit more complicated. It's like, okay, the wider the audience and your conversion rate goes down because you have more people to convince and they, they are probably less closer to what you're offering. So it's really building this audience and this brand awareness, which is like the long-term game to make sure you, you're established and long-lasting in the market. So let's say a brand is listening to this and they're like, okay, check, check, check. I've gone through all these things. I know the size of the market. I know all the logistics. I'm ready to go. What would be your suggestion about kind of what they do next to dive in once they've kind of thought through some of the th those things you mentioned? Well, it's uh, like so for, for me, the, the, the process is always if if they have a good understanding of the size of the market, then OK, that's the first check. The second thing is, do they have the right logistics partner, which can give them like all the ins and outs? Do they have either local or, or connection, which can explain them the tax implications of if I'm selling D2C, if I'm selling B2B, what's what's the different tax with with taxes, with VAT in, in Europe, the value added tax, uh, that, that all those things, okay, have they checked? Uh, and then it's like about, okay, locally, do I have a partner to localize my content, to translate it? Um, ha then it's, have I decided about, 
which products I want to start with, which countries, the sort of pricing policy. And if they start to say, ooh, that, I, I don't know, then they need to find maybe a local partner. So a, either an agency. So there are loads of agency. E-commerce is one, but there, there are others. And depending on, we're based in, in Luxembourg because we're very pan-European and because we believe it's very important, but you have very good agencies based in Germany, based in the UK. So you can, you can talk to different people, get a feeling. For me, it's really to understand that some like regulation in Europe is very strong. Uh, to give you an example, they have a new uh, environmental regulation in France and Germany uh, where you have to declare your plastic being plastic you're importing. You have to declare, you have to create a, an account on, on the official administration. You need to get a, a, an account number and you need to put it on your Amazon account. For if you're selling on Amazon. And if you don't put that, Amazon will block your account. Why? Because the regulation is so strong in Europe that the like the states in France or in Germany can say to Amazon, you are in charge of blocking them to check they have that. If not, you'll get fined. And in fines in Europe can be very strong or you will block you to, to work. So the Amazon has been put a lot of pressure for them to block accounts if they don't comply. So typically, uh, also VAT, you have to have a VAT number. Amazon will block you if you don't have it. Uh, they have also money laundering, but that's in worldwide. They are very strong in that. And that's because the regulation in Europe specifically is so strong. So typically, I would say on that end, if you have never done business in Europe or uh, like it's your first time, don't, don't go on your own. Like spend the extra... Uh, money to have someone to support you on that. Maybe you can learn and do it at some point. That's not a problem. But at the beginning, it's it's, it's very dangerous to to go on your own. Well, Jerome, um, you know, I think at this point in time and, and at all points in time, brands are always looking for where is the growth coming from? And then balancing that with costs to, uh, you know, achieve a profitable growth strategy and and beat competitors. Do you feel like at this point in time, EMEA represents an opportunity like that? Or is this where, you know, do you see uh, your clients maybe coming in unsure about that and or sort of in a crouch? Like what is sort of, and I know it's all, the answer is always, it depends, but you know, what is the, when you think of like the water company, what is that path to up and running, moving, you know, these days in the situation that we're in? So um, it's very rare that it's not a potential, that there's not an opportunity. And if you look at the whole world, if you're based in the US, like the low hanging fruit is probably Canada, maybe Mexico. But then if you want to expand the first large market, the one the closest is Europe. And most probably, I would say, and this is my me giving a number, is like 90% of the time it's, it, it, will, it will be extra business. Now, the question is how much and how fast? And that's the question which depends indeed. Depends on the uh, competitive environment, depends on your own brand, and depends on your means also, you know, how much money you have to push that. Um, and that's where typically uh, people who will help you out will try to give you an idea of, you know, how long it takes. Now, uh, sometimes it's, it's a surprise, it, it goes incredibly fast. Sometimes it takes much longer. That's why typically with Amazon, you want to 
test the water a bit uh, and probably have a first thing looking at what's happening and then go bigger after. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of starting in one country, for example, and seeing what's happening and then expanding, uh, specifically in Europe. So in, the, in, in short, it's like most probably there is a potential for your products in Europe, uh, ex like, except if it's like food products or very specific products, most of the products will have a, a good potential in Europe. Now it's, um, it depends, it, it will cost you money. There's an investment part, mm -hmm, especially yeah. at the beginning and only talking about uh, translations, uh, translating with a native speaker in each language costs a lot of money. Like with, and uh, we, we do that, for example, and some people say, oh, I have a lot. Can we do a you know discount? It's no, because the people have cannot spend less time in, in, you don't win, save time because you have 500 products. No, you don't. You spend maybe even more time. So this is, for example, an investment where like if you have, you don't have that much money or it's really tough, it's better than to to stay in the US or invest more in Canada. But I wouldn't go that it has to, you have to have time and a bit of money to, to support that and maybe to be patient until you you make, you earn money because that could, could take time. And you were asking about time. Um, typically, we tend to say that within six months, we can tell you if it's going to take ages or if there is a good chance of, of going faster. And the first six months are critical. If you're doing things right, we can tell you that we get a very good idea of what, you know, if, if the conversion rate is super low and we see it like, you know, that it, it will be a big struggle. If you see that really it's going step by step, it's really the trend which tells you between three to six months, you can, you will really get a, a good idea. So for me, it's okay. Maybe. If you talk to people and you get a good feeling about this is the, the right type of market you believe, go in one country, test the water, three to six months, and and typically sell. And for example, us, we've uh, opened a seller accounts for brands typically to test that out because we thought, okay, you want to test it in a very simple way, you know, test it three months and then open your own account for example. And this is the kind of thing where having help uh, locally really makes a difference. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, Jerome, I think, you know, in these times, everyone is looking at where are the opportunities for growth coming from, uh, you know, as I said earlier, kind of ex cost versus uh, revenue, profitability, etc. And so we really appreciate you joining us and giving us an, a perspective on on the EMEA market as an opportunity and uh, and some of the challenges to go in there. So uh, our listeners can start thinking about it with their eyes wide open. So thank you. We're really grateful for the partnership. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Jerome for sharing his EMEA and e-commerce wisdom with us. Remember to become a member for free at digitalshelfinstitute.org to get all the latest from the DSI. Thanks as always for being part of our community.